Hey everyone, and welcome to the Follow Through Podcast. My name is Manning Field, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Follow. At Follow, we are creating a platform that connects the unique voices and perspectives of screen creators with the people who want to follow their ideas and automatically super follow their money moves through our RAA affiliate. On Follow, we call these screen creators leaders. We are dedicated to helping the next generation make financial progress and build confidence by connecting them to a portfolio of people's ideas they trust, and if they choose, give them the ability to take action. Additionally, we want to let you know that the upcoming testimonial follow is not made by advisory clients of Follow RIA, and the endorsement is provided for cash compensation. This endorsement is provided by paid independent contractors of Follow RIA's publishing affiliate. This endorsement may not be representative of each user's experience on the Follow app. Follow's leaders in the publishing affiliate do not provide investment advice, and neither are registered investment advisors. Please visit followinvest.com slash disclosures for additional important disclosures. With that, I leave you in the very capable hands of Austin Hankwitz. I hope you enjoy listening to the Follow Through Podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Follow Through Podcast, a podcast where we spend about 30 minutes spotlighting some of the leaders on our platform in efforts to inspire listeners to follow through with their unique investing ambitions and goals. Be sure to visit follow.co for information as well as followinvest.com to read important legal disclosures. In today's episode, we're going to be speaking with Zaid Admani. You might recognize him from his insanely entertaining skits about business and finance on TikTok. He has a background in civil engineering, used to be the co-host of, I think it was called the Social Investing Network, and is the author of Money Minutes, uh, a publication on Substack. So Zaid, thanks so much for joining us, man. I'm really excited for this episode. Of course, man. Thanks for having me on. So I, I need to know, right? Like kind of background on... on our relationship is I found you on TikTok. You make these hilarious skits about market news and everything going on in the markets. Like for those people, like seriously, highly recommend typing in Zaid Money on TikTok and watching this guy. Just make sure your kids aren't around because he does cuss <laughs> sometimes, but he is so funny. But you know, I, I need to know like what got you interested in the markets in the first place? Like rewind maybe 10 years or I don't know, I don't know how old are you, right? Just re rewind back in the day and what got you really thinking about investing and market news? and all this fun stuff back in the first place. Yeah, rewind back to like 2008 during the great financial uh, crisis, you know, seeing the markets tumble there. I was I was in high school then and just trying to understand like, you know, like how how markets work there, what's causing these companies to collapse, what's causing uh, a financial meltdown. And that's really what got me excited about like the markets and, and learning how the stock market works, learning how the economy works. And, and uh, you know, like that really was the true point. Uh, I saw all these like stocks crumble. I'm like, what's causing the valuation of a certain company to go down 45, 50, 60, 70%. So that's really what the genesis was of just like going through that as a 16, 17 year old in high school, seeing people that I knew, you know, see their, their, their portfolios get wiped out. And as soon as I turned 18, I opened up my first uh, brokerage account using Scott's Trade, which was a, a brokerage Scott back in the Trade. day for some oh, of you man, guys. I remember those commercials. That's yes. so funny. Dude, you were still paying commissions for yes, trades, Yes, I you? was paying $5 commission. There was a Scott's Trade office like a mile and a half from my parents' house. So I actually went into the physical office. This is like 2009. And I went to the physical office, opened up an account. Um, I think they had just released a mobile app. I just got my first iPhone and like that's when like the whole that's when I got the bug of like trying to figure out how to invest and like you know put about $1000 of my own money back then and just investing here investing there buying some random stocks. Didn't really know what I was doing, but it was like the perfect way to learn at a young age. 
I love it, dude. I think, you know, baptism by fire is a really great way for anyone to learn. Um, so real quick, though, whenever you went to that office and you put in that thousand dollars and you were like buying stocks, do you remember any of those stocks that you originally had bought? Were they any like <laughs> any, maybe some penny stocks? I don't Was it anything cool? <laughs> A lot of it was penny stocks because, like, you know, back then when you were a kid, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll just buy the stock for, like, four cents. And if it goes to eight, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to double my money. <laughs> um, and that obviously didn't work out. Uh, but I do remember buying some, like, some of these, like, of some stocks of companies that I recognize, right? So I remember, like, Ford was kind of going through some restructuring and bankruptcy. I'm like, oh, Ford, I recognize that company. A lot of my neighbors have Ford cars. That's not going to go bankrupt. Again, not understanding any sort of business fundamentals or anything like that. I'm just like, oh, I recognize that company. I think it's going to be around for a while. Bye. Uh, I think Citibank was another one. Citibank was kind of going through some tumultuous times coming out of the great financial crisis. Um, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a bank that, like, my parents use. So, like, let me just buy some of their stock, not understanding how, like, valuations work. And so it was a mix of buying penny stocks, which I lost all my money on, and a mix of buying stocks of companies that I recognized uh, just from, like, day to day. And and those are, like, the first memories that I have of buying stocks. I love it, dude. I love it. I, I have a similar story myself. So I think that's everyone's story, right? It's kind of funny. We were hosting a Twitter space. Uh, and, and for those listening right now, we follow hosts Twitter space about two times a week. So be sure to follow us on Twitter and tune into those. But one of our, our leaders on the platform was talking about how he was sort of paying his dues to the market, his tuition to the market. You know, everyone kind of loses money in the beginning, right? That's right. Everyone's just like, all right, let's just figure this out and, and learn from our mistakes. I love the play by play. And I think what's crazy is a lot of people, including myself, got into the stock market or began to learn about the stock market because of the great financial crisis, right? So I don't know how old you are. I think you might be in your late 20s or 30s. How old are you? 31. 31. Okay. Yeah. So I'm 26. So I was in, I think, middle school when the great financial crisis was happening. And you know, my dad ended up losing his job and had to move across the country to find a new one. So like a lot of things were happening to me. And, and I was like, what's going, what, why is this happening? What is the stock market and why does it impact me so much? And so I think a lot of people to, to your point of, you know, just kind of keeping your ears perked up and understanding or just curiosity rather around, uh, stocks and investing came from the great financial crisis. So now that you are established, right? Now that you've been doing this for, you know, call it a decade or so, not professionally, but like, you know, just you've been growing your portfolio. You've been trying mm -hmm. to figure out, um, you know, what you want to be investing toward your style, your risk tolerance, your kind of uh, maybe duration of, you know, however you kind of go about this. So, Zaid, I want to know from a high level, what is your specific investing style and has it at all changed now as we head into 2023? Yeah, I think for the last decade, until until the start of this year or at the end of last year, it was essentially just growing, buying growth stocks, <laughs> right? Because my whole my whole thing was okay. I was trying to identify companies that were going to win, uh, based on like the macroeconomic environment, based on like trends I was seeing. So you know, I like, technology was obviously a huge growth in the last decade, and and I kind of identified that. I'm like, oh yeah, we're all using phones, we're all using apps. Let me buy companies. Um, that are going to profit off of that. So I was, I remember like when I opened up my first Roth IRA in 2014 and maxed it out, I think back then it was around 5000 or $5,500. I bought $1,000 each of all the, the big tech stocks. So Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, Google, and just bought $1,000 each of those. Because I'm just like, I just think that these three or these five companies are going to be huge players a decade from now. So I would just buy those. Um, a lot of it, I also, you know, just bought ETFs, um, 
Uh, but all the, all the individual stocks that I bought were in tech companies, right? Like I was trying to identify companies that were going to win, cloud companies. Like, oh, what cloud companies are going to win? Um, and, and just go from there. And that strategy worked really well in a zero interest rate <laughs> environment, <laughs> right? Uh, which we had for the last decade. And now that investors and valuations are coming down and multiples are coming down, especially on these growth companies, I'm reevaluating everything. You know, like I went from thinking, oh, this is really easy. You just buy tech stocks and you're going to be rich one day. You realize like, that doesn't last forever. And, and that's fine. It's a good lesson to learn. Um, and so now I'm reevaluating, trying to figure out what other stocks to get into. Um, a lot of my money is just back into, you know, uh, index funds, ETFs, things like that. But now I'm trying to take a broader view of, okay, what's going to happen over the next decade and what companies are going to, are, are going to, you know, benefit from that in, 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 in an environment where we're not going to have low interest rates anymore in an environment where a lot of tech companies and tech sectors are a lot more mature and you can't expect to get a 400 X multiple on, you know, earnings or whatever, like we were getting with Netflix and some of these crazy companies back in the last decade. So it's just a matter of reevaluating everything based on the new environment that we're in now. I love it. That's a really great answer. And I guess a quick follow-up to that is as it relates to that reevaluation, what are some things that you look for, right? Is it is it uh, the valuation itself of the company? You said, okay, you know, you know, I'm not going to pay 400 times price to earnings for a company. Are you looking at those valuations? Are you looking at sales growth? Perhaps you're looking at margins or you maybe dividends or maybe net cash to debt. Is there anything specific that you're like, you know what, if I'm seeing this, I'm I'm reading more about the company. I try to find companies that are, you know, big on uh, producing cash, like, you know, free cash flow, things like that. I kind of start from there. But I also try to figure out, like, you know, trends in the environment, trends in the world. Like, what what are some innovations we're going to see and what are some companies that are going to take advantage of of those innovations, um, whether it's whether it's, you know, microchips or, or, or AI or whatever the case is, um, and just try to identify companies that are going to be like the next big player in that sector. So that's kind of where I that's where I approach it from, uh, and then yeah, obviously trying to find companies that produce a lot of val produce a lot of cash things like that. I think we're kind of in an environment again where cash is king, and 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 making a profit is 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 like a good thing again. Where I feel like there was a moment in time where like making a profit wasn't really the high priority, and I think we're back to like okay, we want companies to make money. So there's a lot of there's a lot of sectors, but I really try to approach it from like a high level macro view and try to identify companies that are going to be successful for five to 10 years. No, it's a great take, man. I really appreciate that. Uh, so my next question is now from the perspective of who you look up to, right? As someone who is trying to, who was really excited about, about growth stocks and was all about technology and was crushing it and was doing all that fun stuff. And then now you're kind of like on your heels for lack of a better term. And the sense is like, okay, where do I kind of shift momentum toward, you know, you kind of do that right now. So is, is there anyone that you look up to? Kathy Wood. Can I say her? I'm just kidding. You can say her. Sure. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Kathy Wood. Uh, no, I would say Warren Buffett, man. I know that's kind of a, a boring answer, but like Grandpa Warren, man, he's the OG. Like if you look at his track record, if you look at the way he's invested, trying to, you know, he's not, he, he just tries to find companies that have value. He invests with super, super long-term perspectives. Um, and then he also you know, goes back and um, makes changes uh, to his investment strategy from mistakes that he's made. So Apple is a perfect example, right? Like I think Berkshire Hathaway is like the biggest holder of Apple. And I think he realized like he used to never, Warren Buffett used to never invest in tech companies. And I think he realized, like, okay, he missed the boat, but he still loaded up on Apple. Um, and, and now it's one of his biggest holdings. So 
yeah, I mean, Warren Buffett, man, he's like the perfect example of someone who got rich slowly, compounded, identified companies that, that, he, that, that produced a lot of value, and, and he's the GOAT. I mean, there's no question about it. Uncle Warren, really good answer. And yeah, just so we're all on the same page, I think that he recently uh, shared his 13F filing. And it said that, I think now, don't quote me on this, but I think that Apple is like 40% of his portfolio, something just crazy. And it's not because he's adding more and more and more to his position, but instead because he bought so much of it, call it five, 10 years ago, whatever that specific date is, again, don't quote me on that. And it's appreciated though so much. You know, I think he's a really big proponent of let your winners fly. And like if, if it's a company that's continually to do well, you know, I think a lot of people, including myself, I fall victim to this all the time. Where it's like, okay, wait, I'm up like it's 70%. Like maybe I should get out of this now. Maybe I should lock in some profits, right? I think we've all sort of seen those times where uh, a company would be up, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60%. And then we didn't do anything about it. And then it went back down. You're like, dang it. Now what happened to my money? Right. So I I think, uh, you know, we definitely, I fall victim to that, but Warren, you know, he's saying like, Hey, I'm not worried about these price fluctuations. If the company is continually to move in the right direction, I'm rocking with them. And I think that's a really good example of a, an investor that I think everyone should be looking up to. Right. I think what's so cool about him as well is the longevity, right? He's an old guy. I think he's in his nineties. Right. And what's crazy about this is I, I believe I read online that he bought his first stock when he was 11 years old, right? So imagine having 80 years of compounding under your belt and allowing a company to grow and grow and grow for eight decades. I mean, that is the epitome of long-term investing. And I think right. that that's a strategy that all of us can learn um, learn from. Not just that. I remember in 2021 when the meme stock stuff was happening and like all these growth stocks were flying high and... I think Warren Buffett had dumped all of his airline stocks, and like a week later, they started flying, and everyone started dumping on old Uncle yeah, Warren. Yeah, they, they were dunking on him, dude. I know, and, and 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 I don't think he let any of that noise bother him. He's just kind of like doing his thing. And if you compare returns, besides that, besides that period in twenty one and a little bit of twenty two, I mean, he's doing better than everybody else that was, you know, going all in on on the growth stock. So, just another example of someone doesn't let the noise bother him. He has his convictions, um, and he just he just keeps doing his thing and keeps compounding and keeps winning. I think what's kind of crazy, and then I don't know if you knew this or not, right? But you know, Berkshire Hathaway, I believe, is like a you know five or six hundred billion dollar company uh, by market cap. And I I listened to Alex Ramosi mention this, so I didn't fact check it, but I believe him. Berkshire Hathaway only has eighteen or nineteen employees. You know, they're not one oh, of wow. these large, massive because it's essentially a holding company. It's a holding right? company, right? And so, like they just, they don't need to have hundreds of employees to hold other companies. They just have to have people that know what they're doing. And so, it's just so crazy to me that with at such a you know a massive size of a company that Warren has been able to take charge and you know really do this with you know a dozen or two dozen people uh at the helm so it's it's pretty interesting to hear that uh good stuff man yeah i I agree with the warren buffett i think that's a really good answer so my sort of last question here for you zade is as someone who's making awesome content right the skits you got the the uh newsletter you got all these really cool that you're tweeting all the time you have awesome awesome content what would you say to the person listening right now that's trying to figure out the best news sources, right? So personally, I'm always looking at the Wall Street Journal, right? I'm looking at Seeking Alpha, and I might be looking at like what's trending on Twitter, like on my on my uh, timeline or my feed, right? Are, are there any specific news websites or different websites that you visit on a daily or weekly basis that help you navigate the markets? 
Yeah, my content diet is a mess, man. Like it's 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 almost information overload, but a lot of the information that I get is from Twitter. So I'll you know, I'll go on Twitter first, see what's trending, figure out what people are talking about, and usually you'll find one or two stories from there like, "Oh, this you know, so either whether it's about a stock or whether it's about a company or some sort of drama with the SEC, there's always something happening on Twitter." And so I'll start there. Um and then in order to learn more about it, I'll you know, I'll go on Bloomberg, Wall Street Journal, uh, CNBC, all your typical typical news websites, your business news websites, um, to do some deep dives, to learn like what's going on, to learn more about the the background of the story. And then I've also been reading the information, which is a really good uh, publication for tech stuff. So they have a lot of deep dives and like behind the scenes stuff, of what's happening in the tech world. So I'll, those are usually like what I do, and and that's usually like enough to like get me enough information to make these videos and skits and and write newsletters and stuff. Um, but yeah, man, it's not great. It's not a very healthy diet. Cause there's like, it's like information overload. You're constantly taking in information. And sometimes I'm just like, this is, this is just like trying to filter through all that. It's a, it's a, it can be mind numbing. Sometimes it can make my brain feel like mush by the end of the week. Absolutely. No, I'm right there with you as someone who's trying to find, you know, the next headline or something to talk about. Now I'm curious, what is, you know, you just made, you just shared this awesome uh, skit with Bing and I think it was like uh, Google or ChatGPT or something like that. It was so fun. Or this person was yeah. asking Bing what they should get their wife uh, for her birthday. And Bing, you know, you making a joke that Bing already knew her birthday and knew yeah. everything about her and all this fun stuff. So I'm curious, like, do you have any cool skits on the, uh, on the horizon or anything fun that you're working on right now that you think is going to be a cool idea? Um, I'm trying to figure out how to do one about the SEC and like their drama with crypto. I haven't figured it out yet, but there's, you know, I think whenever there's like a video about with the SEC, it, 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 it can get pretty funny. So I'm just trying to figure that out, piece it together. Um, but yeah, that's like, that's like the main one right now. And then all obviously, uh, Facebook or meta doing their verification, uh, paid for verification service. I did a video about that already. I'm probably going to try to do another one. Um, and and so yeah, just a, a, any any video that has to do with like Meta, any video that has to do with the SEC, I mean, you know, it's all it's all it's all fun. I'm not taking shots at anybody. Yeah. It's all fun. Uh, but that's that's what I'm working on right now. Good stuff, man. Yeah, I, you you mentioned crypto. I'm curious, like as someone who was certainly around to remember Bitcoin coming out of nowhere and just you know going from essentially zero to sixty eight, sixty nine thousand dollars. Um, do you have any crypto exposure? What's your kind of take on crypto? Yeah, I mean, I I was just slowly accumulating starting in 2017, uh, just slowly accumulating. And then it ended up becoming a huge position just because I, I just, just grew and because it appreciated so much. Um, and uh, and then ultimately, I ended up dumping some of it, not at the top, obviously, on the way down, like everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish I dumped it at the top. I'd be I'd be in a really good shape right now. But as it started to crash, I'm like, you know what? Like, I don't know why I own this stuff. I think it, I think it's cool, but I don't really fully get it. So I started dumping. So now it's like maybe 10% of my portfolio. At one point, it was more than 50% of my portfolio just because it it grew so much. But now it's significantly less. I still hold some. I think it, I think there's some potential long term. But I, I consider myself to be more of like a crypto curious, but kind of a skeptic. Like, there's just there's just I don't know. Like, I think I think the industry needs to kind of find itself a little bit right now. Um, but I, there, there, there probably is potential, uh, but I'm not like those crazy, like crypto, like crypto only bros where I'm just like, Oh my God, like crypto is the future. And like the dollar is dead. I'm not like that, but I still want to have exposure to it in case I'm wrong. <laughs> 
Totally. Yeah. I remember I watched an interview. I don't know who the guy was, but he was at like a Bitcoin conference in like 2016 or maybe 2018. And he like ripped up a $10 bill on camera. He's like, oh, yeah. this $10 bill? He's like, this is nothing. This is trash and rips it up. Like, I saw that. Bro, yeah. that was my lunch you just ripped up actually. So <laughs> some of these crypto bros, man, I'm just, the crypto industry is so interesting. Uh, and like the, like the follower, the following on in the crypto space is so interesting. But yeah, I mean, I'm crypto curious, hold some, hopefully it turns into something. I think there'll probably be some practical application for it. Um, but I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not picking size one way or the other. I'm not like, oh, Bitcoin only. I'm not a Bitcoin maxi or like, oh, Ethereum is the future. I'm just kind of like, yeah, sure. I'll hold a little bit of each one of these in case like one of them pops off and, and, and I can make some money from it. I love it. Well, thanks so much for hanging out with me, Zaid. Uh, before we sign off, I want to you know give you a chance to you know plug your your TikTok, your newsletter, where where the people can find you, all that fun stuff. So you know, feel free uh, to look into the camera and tell everyone what you got going on, just like they do on the Hot Ones uh, interviews. Yes, <laughs> I appreciate it, Mo. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, you can find me on TikTok. Just look up Admani Explains. You can find me on Instagram, Admani Explains. YouTube, every every social platform. Just type in Admani underscore explains you'll find me uh I have a newsletter that comes out every week called money minutes and i'm also going to be launching a podcast soon with probably the same name called money minutes um and yeah that's that's pretty much everything you can also follow me on follow give, give me a shout out there yeah that's everything that's my plug good stuff man really appreciate it all right everyone thanks so much for hanging out with us on this episode of the follow-through podcast again my name is austin hankwitz joined by zayd money and we will see you in our next episode peace Follow is a company that highly values transparency with their audience. So we want to let you know that the podcast you just turned into was not made by an advisory client to follow, and the production was provided for cash compensation. This endorsement is provided by a paid independent contractor, a follow's affiliate, and this endorsement may not be representative of each user experience on the follow app. For more information on follow and its endorsers, please visit followinvest.com. Thank you for listening to the podcast, and there's more to come.